Hey, Kupanors, I just wanted to say that I hope you're well and safe. Please practice social distancing as much as you can, especially for those who are immunocompromised and elderly. I hope that the show can be a little bit of inspiration and positivity during these times. Anyways, I'm sending you heaps of love your way. You're listening to The Ecopreneur Show, a podcast that inspires entrepreneurs and creatives on how they can make a positive and meaningful impact in the world. I'm your host, Vanina. Every other week, I hang out with entrepreneurs, business owners, and leaders that are creating real-life solutions for a more sustainable future. I feel by having raw conversations with ecopreneurs that will keep on inspiring us to take action in our own lives. Thanks for tuning in. Well, Chloe, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I'd love for, um, could you give a little introduction about yourself? So my name is Chloe Le Beltier. I'm French, but well, you'll be able to tell that within seconds of me talking <laughs> to that microphone. I'm a content creator, community organizer. I guess I just like meeting with people and talking about all things related to sustainability. Um, and my day job is being a translator. Can you tell us a little about a bit about your blog, Conscious by Chloe? Yeah, I started it in 2015, I want to say, right after I moved to Portland. Um, I had been living in Southern California for the year before I actually launched it. And I started thinking about what I wanted to do next, because while I was down there, I opened a co-working studio and a photo studio. And I was kind of like, now I'm going to move to Portland, go back to freelance life, live in the house. And how am I going to meet people? (laughs) So I guess that was my way of like being, Hey, I'm going to make friends. Cause you know, it's good to be like a translator. People are interested in whatever you're doing, but once you tell them like, I do this and that here are my clients, but then what's next. And I had that new passion for sustainability, I guess. So that was my way of like getting to meet people. I knew that Portland was also an amazing place to talk about that kind of subject. So yeah, I guess that's how it all started. I had had blogs before, you know, but more like personal journals. Um, I studied abroad like a couple of times. So it was just a way for me to stay in touch with friends and family. But eventually, I don't know, I kind of like have a love hate relationship with like having a public persona or, you know, you know, there was this just that funny, um, episode where one of my teachers, when I was studying in England, actually mentioned my blog to me. And I was like, someone reads my, I'm not like anonymous. So I was kind of like, let's just like stop the whole blogging thing for a while. And eventually I, I don't know, I guess it was just time for me to start that again, actually like put my name in the title and just like, you know, be all in. Wow. So was, so was Conscious by Chloe already existing before? And did you, did you create it or did you create it the moment that you came to Portland? Yeah, I guess I kind of brainstormed it for the couple months leading up to the move to Portland and eventually realized that, you know, that was the right time in my life to actually launch it. And also I had, you know, someone in my life who could design the whole thing and take pictures for me. So I guess, you know, all the elements were united for me to actually launch the thing that I had, you know, in my brain for a little while. Right. So this was your, this was your husband, Octave. I guess it was he your husband still at the time or? Yeah, more like yeah still, he was. Uh, you know, <laughs> boyfriend at the time. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kind of like, he knew I, I, I wanted to do that, but wasn't really 
sure about it. And he just like super encouraged me to do it. And eventually we launched it together. Wow. And how, how was the process working with um, your, your husband? It was really easy, you know, after the whole like co-working photo studio thing, having just an online little thing here and there was just like so much easier. So no, we're good at collaborating uh, for sure. Like our professional lives are kind of intermingled for a certain number of projects. So we knew uh, how to work together but also while still having separate projects. So just a little bit of collaboration, but most of the creative things are our own. So his own photography and field business and my blogging thing. Gotcha. And so um, I actually did not know that you lived in Southern California. Um, to start, was it to start the co-working space? No, I mean... So Octave used to be a web designer in Switzerland. And one day that company got acquired. He had a little money and he was like, how about we live the, you know, the American dream and move to Los Angeles and start filming. Uh, so it kind of started that way. I mean, you know, obviously I'm, I'm joking about it, but uh, mostly he was into the outdoor um industry he still is and most of the surfing uh, snowboarding brands were based in southern california so that's why we moved there stayed there for a couple months but didn't really i don't know find our place there i mean we had an amazing community through actually the co-working space and the photo studio we met a bunch of amazing people but i guess we're more mountain and river people than beach people which is not surprising to me considering I grew up you know in a volcanic area but you never know until you tried it so it was an amazing experience and it's always a good way to realize you know what your priorities in life are or what you like and don't like and we still love to go back to California during the <laughs> Oregon winter right <laughs> you know about that so yeah no, it's it's been a great experience but we're really really happy about about our life here in Oregon. Gotcha okay so you you came here to start the blog, how was the process? Did you kind of reach out to people to interview? How did you, how did you kind of approach it as a way of connecting with other people? I guess I just started it as, let's give it a try. Like I had, I didn't want to launch before I had like a certain number of articles. I still had that idea of let's make it an experiment, like a laboratory or something. So thinking about marketing, I love learning new things, obviously. So it was just, um, let's test things and we'll see how that goes. So I stalked people on social media before, <laughs> you know, check out like the coffee shops and um, trying to look for places where I could like um, sign up for workshops to learn a new skill. And things happen then happen pretty organically after that whole stalking phase. But I guess it was just, let's make it an online journal. We'll see whether that resonates with people. I wanted it to be also kind of a, you know, um, online business card or curriculum or I don't know, kind of I don't know if, if I'm going to talk about the things that I like to someone, then they're going to look me up and that's what they're going to find. <laughs> right. I guess, you know, it was, you know, it was at the beginning of Instagram, how we, how, as we know it now. So I guess, yeah, it's, it's kind of like that. Um, and then in terms of reaching out, it was just a matter of me going places, as you might know, I love going to events and like meeting people. So that's, that's kind of how it worked. Uh, funnily enough, uh, one of the first workshops that I attended it was a Shibori dyeing workshop, um, which was hosted at 
uh, field trip. It's a shop that no longer exists on division. Um, but I ended up being like super close friends with the person who was teaching the workshop, Jessica from Brembo Workshop, and the photographer of the event, Annika, <laughs> who is just now launching her own uh, magazine. So yeah, I guess, you know, things were meant to be through those kinds of connections. And, and then the whole, yeah, collaborations aspects or, you know, reaching out to brands or places. I guess it's, since there was no pressure for me to do something, it was just my way of connecting with people, getting out of my home office. Uh, I had a, you know, somewhat of a rule to publish one article a week. And it was kind of also because during my time in Southern California, I, I went through, I don't know, a burnout phase or something where I was like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Freelance life is so hard. Like, you know, there's like really busy phases, really slow times. And I was like, that's the one thing that's going to be constant in my life. Every week I'm going to put something on the blog. So it will force me to write, take pictures, learn to edit pictures and do the whole social media thing. So yeah, I guess that was the one rule that I had back then was just just to put something out there once a week. Right. Maybe and after a month, I just like <laughs> stopped having that one rule. But, you know, it's good to have like loose rules somehow. But yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I feel like I'm somebody that likes to have certain deadlines, but definitely doing a post once or writing an article every week is is a lot. Um, So I'm going to take a couple of steps back. So you knew that it was going to be in sustainability. How did you first or why did you get into sustainability in the first place? Hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's always an interesting question because I don't know. People are like, oh, there was that one instance where I saw the picture of the blah, blah, blah. And <laughs> I have no idea how that happened for me. I mean, I kind of know how I decided to get involved. Back when I was in Southern California, I heard about Bia Johnson zero waste home book. Um, actually Octave got it for me that first Christmas that we were in Southern California. And then I just like dive headfirst. I dove headfirst into that lifestyle, I guess. Um, so yeah, I guess then I was talking about those things to friends back home in Europe and people were like, what is it that you're talking about? And I was like, Oh, maybe that's something that people would be interested. And I'm very excited to actually talk about it and share about it. So I decided that, that's that's what the blog would be focused on and that's actually yeah kind of interesting in the sense that I mentioned that before I was writing you know personal uh journals online but I felt like this time like that publication that I would put out online would need to have a focus so sustainability came up pretty naturally I'm actually it's funny because right after I launched the blog maybe a week after um um, Inga from um, the Zero Waste Bloggers Network reached out to me and she was like, hey, do you want to be like uh, a member of our network? And actually you would be the hundredth member. And she used to live in Hood River. So she was super excited to have one of the members who would be living in Portland. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, I guess I'm a Zero Waste Blogger now, which was very interesting because then I found my people. I found like people to network with or people I could exchange like stories with or people who would understand what I would be going through as a content creator. And eventually I kind of took a step back because I was like, maybe it's, I'm being pigeonholed into that whole like zero waste blogger thing. And I wanted to talk about so many more things. Cause I mean, you know, I'm obsessed with fashion and other things. So I was just like, let's, you know, open it. But I was really glad that 
I would have those people around me. Um, yeah, just to have, I love the idea of the bloggers network. Yeah. Just to realize that you can find your crowd online as well. I mean, I always, uh, I don't know. I prefer to get to see people in real life, but I, it, it was great. There was both sides because she lived in Hood River, so I could see her, but then we had a whole life happening online and behind the scenes as well. So yeah, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that's that's actually really fascinating, the fact that it it seemed like you started the blog with a very like kind of loose intention, more like you thought, okay, I'll start this, I'll meet pe- people, but it just kind of turned into so yeah. many and morphed into so many different things because, I mean, you're, you're blog is beautiful. It has so many different sections of um, fashion, DIY, zero waste. There's just so many little parts that you have to it. How did you decide to tackle fashion and to start adding DIY parts to it? Yeah, well, thank you. (laughs) Um, I don't know, I guess pretty naturally and pretty naively, I guess, just one day I read about this DIY and I'm like, I'm going to give it a try and share the results online. But yeah, I'm just usually... When I find something that I'm interested in, I, I'm just going to dive headfirst into that. A um, couple of months ago, it was natural dyeing, and then it was, I don't know, macrame. <laughs> uh, cooking, not so much. I mean, I do post a couple of recipes because I feel like it's interesting to have like a couple of basics. Yeah. What people should know is that I'm not the one who cooks at home. So that's the reason <laughs> why. <laughs> I do kind of just be honest. <laughs> Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So yeah, the idea, I guess, of um, not having so many recipes is just because I don't cook on a daily basis, but I like to experiment to learn more about food and those kind of things. And Octave, who's the one who cooks at home, is obsessed with cooking as well, which is really great. And we can have those conversations about, you know, testing vegan diets, uh, alternatives to cow's milk and whatnot. So yeah, it's been pretty interesting. But yeah, as you might see on the blog, there's not that many recipes. So I guess it's just you know, things that inspire me during that one moment. And then, you know, if I'm going to create a new category on the blog, then I'm going to be like, hey, that's a new thing I could tap into. So whenever I don't have inspiration, let's go back to the archives and be like, hey, it's been a while since I last posted something about, you know, that subject. So let's give it a try or find something about it. But most of the times things just come to me, like I get obsessed about one subject and then I'm going to you know, dive into it. I don't know, Marie Kondo or something. <laughs> Is that how you stay inspired? For sure. Like listening to a thousand podcasts, just going places. Before we started recording, we were talking about museums. So for sure, just like doing a bunch of things, learning new things. Um, yeah, I took a bunch of personality tests and um, I realized that I'm a questioner. So I I guess the whole like knowledge organizing, learning new things, it's just like I attract those kinds of things in my life. So yeah, there's never a lack of new things to talk about or try, I guess. I love that because <laughs> I'm definitely somebody that has to be kind of a balance of getting inspiration and consuming versus creating, like consuming other people's creativity and then making it my own. So I think it's really cool the fact that you can just be curious and be inspired and have it be sort of like a catalyst for you to create more. Yeah, it's funny. Actually, I was thinking about that while you were talking about it, but no wonder I'm a translator. Like someone creates something and then I'm going to translate it so other people can understand that. So that's either from one language to another or one way of doing things to another. But also, oh, I lost my train of thought. 
might come back later, but oh yeah, I never pictured myself as a creative person. Hmm. I would never call myself like an artist or something. Whereas, you know, I live with someone who's like a crazy good photographer, filmmaker, web designer, flight, fishing tire, fly fly tire. I don't know how you call those people. Anyways, you know, fly fisher. my husband's amazing, but no, I'm kidding. But I never imagined that I would call myself like a creator, a creative person. But then, you know, you, you look at the work that I published online and from the fact that people are telling me, no, actually you should, it's the imposter syndrome, right? You know, I'm never good enough. No, I'm not that kind of person until you realize that maybe I should like take ownership of the things that I do and reinventing or translating a new way of making things is a way to be creative as well. Or just, you know, the idea of being curious and gathering information is a, a creative I aspect, think, I, for sure. I That's so funny that you mentioned that because I think a couple days ago, um, I ran into my neighbor who was also, um, we had just met and uh, when, when we first moved in and he said, oh, I could never be creative. I'm not the creative type. And I think I, I'm i the type of person that believes that everybody is creative, all different levels. And I think that we have a sort of like fixed mindset of like what is creative. And I think the fact, I mean, you have such good like aesthetics, like your aesthetics are so like on point. Every time I'm on your blog, I think, wow, like that was the colors that are there, the layout everything that goes together, that's its own form of creativity. So I think it's really interesting that you said that you never thought of yourself as creative because me knowing you, I think you're like one of the most creative people I know. It's funny. Um, Yeah. That's, yeah, that's how, I guess it's a way of, I mean, now maybe I would say it because it's been a couple of years of working on myself and reading about those kinds of things. Like, yeah, talk to me about self-help books, books about creativity, the artist way and whatnot. Um, yeah, I guess I'm starting to learn and starting to own the fact that I'm a creative person. But yeah, sometimes I just go back to, you know, that very beginning where I was just so shy. And it's also, I mean, yeah, we might not have talked about that yet, but the whole like people see me as a really outgoing person where where I think that I'm the most introverted person ever. I'm a fake introvert. Like I love going to events, but then I retreat for the next six months in my house and I don't want to talk to anyone anymore. But yeah, I guess that's just, it's easy also to have an online blog seem. I took a break when I was back in Europe for a couple of months and I felt like I don't own anything to anyone. I do my thing. It can be a season of like a lot of creativity and then I can just take a break and, you know, respect the rhythms in my life. And yeah, that's what I love about that as well. It's just to be, you know, I can stop whenever I want to or start again whenever I feel like it. Were you always this way when you started the blog or did it happen a little bit when you had sort of a large following that you kind of realized, okay, I have such a strong community that I'm able to kind of come and go and my community will always be there? No, I never thought that it would last more than 10 articles. (laughs) Because, you know, for me, it was a challenge. I I was going through a really hard time and I was like, that's the one thing that's going to keep me going. I'm going to post one thing a week. You know, it's going to be kind of my therapy. And I was like, maybe I'm I'm kind of an impulsive person. So I either love something or I hate it. So I was like, you know, it might work out or I'm just going to toss it away and be like, you know, I tried, but, you know, next. Um, Yeah, I was pretty surprised about it. I think it's interesting, though, that you have formed a community, though. So you're not only just a part of 
Um, you don't just have a blog, but you also have the Zero Waste PDX group. Mm-hmm. When did that happen after? Yeah, I think it happened exactly one year after I launched the blog. Um, that happened super naturally again. Like I had no idea that would, yeah, that would come to life. Um, I first imagined the blog as something online for people who are interested in sustainability. I kind of wanted it to be a way for me to connect with people, you know, wherever I was. So Portland at the time and still now. Um, But I imagined it as something pretty universal. You know, I was talking to friends back home, family, people I met along the way. So not something that was uh, related to one geographic location. Um, But eventually I felt that there was a need for a separate entity that would be dedicated to Portland. And it actually started with that one article I published on the blog, which is the Zero Waste Guide to Portland, which is which was just a Google map where I had pinned all the places where you can like shop in bulk, shop, shop secondhand, uh, recycle and whatnot. And I realized that there was a need for people to exchange about that, um, but also to exchange skills and, you know, connect with each other and eventually... I started getting interested, maybe you know, teaching workshops or having gatherings, and I felt like there was a need not to isolate the other readers of the blog who wouldn't be able to attend those events. So I figured that there would be a need for a separate entity. So that's how Zero Waste PDX came to life, which started as um, that one article and then a Facebook page, and eventually into a Facebook group because I realized that people were more felt freer to speak in a private setting um so the the zero waste yeah pdx facebook group is a closed group so it's a member only or invite only or whatever group so that people feel safe to ask you know the dumb questions of where do i recycle that which isn't as easy to do on a a public page for sure Totally. And you have, I mean, I don't, how many people are following or part of the group now? So bad at numbers, maybe, yeah, close to 2000s, maybe. Oh, no, it's been more now. I'm so bad at numbers, maybe two or three years. And it's, you know, it's got a life on its own somehow. I mean, I still moderate the group, but I have to say I'm so happy about how positive the group is, how um, empowered people are. Because, you know, in the beginning, you moderate, you answer the questions, you know, you're like, how about you look that one up? And then you realize that everyone is in the group is actually now a moderator and people are so knowledgeable. I mean, and so respectful. It's just, yeah, so amazing to see that community grow. Yeah, it's really a resource in Portland right now for um, I just had somebody who was really interested in to get into sustainability. I said, oh, you need to (laughs) I know the exact group that you should join. Um, be a part of. Um, so you said that the blog kind of was an incentive to start the group. When did when did it start becoming where your community was kind of asking questions that you felt like, oh, I need to create a, a tool for this or I need to create an article for that? When did that start shifting? And then also um, just a little additional to when did you start like get, building traction also? Like when did you start realizing people were really following you and really looking forward to your articles. So, yeah, I would imagine things happening the other way around. So 
I love to gather data, make lists, and then share. Like I'm an oversharer. Like if I'm going to have that Google Maps with all the little pins of the places you should visit in Portland, I'm going to find a way to share it with people <laughs> and just put it online. So that's what happened with, you know, the zero waste map. And all of a sudden, you know, I realized that people wanted to add to the thing or ask more questions. And I was like, hey, you know, the 10th time I'm going to have that question asked. I'm going to write something or add a section in the map or on the blog because I feel, I mean, who wants to answer 20 times the same question, right? And I feel like then, you know, people will have the resources and will be able to do the research or find the, the answer to the questions by themselves. Um, but yeah, I guess that's the way it is. Like I'm interested in something, I'm going to share it and people might get excited about it. I never feel like, I never feel the pressure to put content. I never feel... Yeah, but like I have to, like I owe something to anyone. Mm. That's, I guess, the, you know, I have the privilege to do that because the blog is not a moneymaker for me. Like I don't count on the money that I might get from that publication. If it's here tomorrow, great. If it's not, it's not going to change my life. I'll still be able to pay rent and, you know, put clothes on my body. Um, so, yeah no pressure. It's just whatever I feel like doing. I don't feel like I owe anything. I have a love hate relationship with the money making aspect of the blog. Um, the whole partnerships or affiliate links and whatnot. On the one hand, I would be happy to get money for all the work that I'm putting out there. But on the other hand, like I mentioned before, I don't want to have pressure from anyone to tell me like, you should post that thing by next week. So yeah, I try to be mindful for my own sanity and also for a matter of trust between me and my readers. I don't want to be, you know, not another publicity source for people, especially in the sustainability world. I feel like it's kind of um, ironic to encourage people to buy new things all the time. So as much as possible, I'm going to put content about repurposing, about, you know, a no buy challenge or secondhand shops or that kind of stuff. But at the same time, like I mentioned before, I'm obsessed with all things related to fashion. So, you know, this is a new <laughs> sweater. It's, it wasn't thrifted. It comes from conscious brands. So I'm going to share about those brands I'm excited about. If I get the opportunity to have a relationship with that brand, I mean, a monetary relationship with it, of course, I'm all up for it, but then I don't want it to be a pressure. How did you first build a relationship with a brand? Good question. Try to remember how I first started. I might have pitched it. I was like, I'm buying so much for that brand and I feature their products anyway. So how about I just reach out to them? I, I'm, I suppose it first started as me asking for free products like any influencer does, right? And Eventually, I started geeking a little bit about the whole like affiliate world, um, which is fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess Amazon as well, because it's so easy to have just like that one spot. I, yeah, same same idea as well. Like, I would love to be able to have like, my goal in the beginning. I don't know whether you've seen that on the blog, but I used to have a shop section, which was like really different from what it looks like now um, because I was so excited to share about all those different brands. Actually, Octave had created a whole platform that we were going to launch as a business, <laughs> which was a whole shop based on affiliate marketing. I mean, that would generate the links and pictures and would look amazing. I think your partner and my partner have like, because <laughs> he was also building something like that yeah. too. So. so 
And eventually it was so much work on the back end um, for him. I mean, obviously. And then for me to just put content in there that I was just said, hold on, it's not worth it. I mean, and the whole idea of, you know, my passion was becoming a job. And I was like, I hate it already. So I was just like, let's take a step back. But people keep asking me, where do I get the best bulk bag? Where do I get like a strainer, a straw, or whatever? And I was like, okay, I could talk about all those little shops that exist out there. But also I have to be aware that, you know, people shop on Amazon really easily. So I was like, I'm just going to have it there. If people want to shop there, that's great. I'm going to make money. If they want to look at the Zero Waste PDX <laughs> guide, then they could go to that one little shop that says sells the reusable straws. So I'm just trying to find that balance between, you know, gathering information, supporting small businesses, but also making things really easy for me. So that's my way of working things out and being like, you know, Amazon is evil, but it's easy. So if you want to shop there, great. Or same thing for books. I'm like, go to the library, sign up for the library. But if I'm going to put the link to the book that I'm reading currently, it's going to be an Amazon link because I'm going to make money out of it. Do you feel like passion and money sometimes don't like go well together? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I'm surrounded by people who live their passion, whose job is their passion. I have never imagined doing that because I would hate for my passion to become my job or my work. I mean, we share life with people who are obsessed with their art and who find it like amazing to be doing that for the rest of their lives, who never want to retire because who, what's that saying that it's like, you're never going to have to retire from a job you love. It's so, it's not the way people say it, but you know what I mean? Like some people are counting the years until they're going to be able to retire and never work again. Yeah, there's something, oh, I wish I remembered that saying, but love the job that you do and you'll never have to work for one more day in your life or something like that. No, anyways, not me. <laughs> I have a day job <laughs> and I have passions. I mean, I love what I do for a living, but I wouldn't imagine myself doing that if I weren't getting paid for it. Well, if you were to get at some point to, let's say the blog was fully supporting you financially, would you? Would you leave it? No, because I felt like I would have pressure to put content out there. And then I would play the Instagram algorithm game, which I hate. So no, I I mean, I'm saying that today. I've been saying it for the past, I don't know, five years. We'll see what I say next year. But I really, for now, don't picture myself like living out of that because I feel like I'm good where I'm at professionally. And then I have that thing that fulfills me because I get to learn and have fun. I want to transition a little bit um, into um, you when you got started getting into fashion. So were you always into fashion? Was it something um, as you're building the blog, you learned more about sustainable fashion? What's the story behind that? I used to have a job that wasn't fulfilling back when I lived in Europe. Or let's say it was an easy job, but not it wasn't nurturing my soul. And, you know, I would just going on a shopping spree weekly shopping spree, um, doesn't matter where, all the Zara's, all the H&M's, like I had a shelf full of shoes that I was really proud of because whenever someone would get into my house, they would be like, oh, that's amazing. And I was really proud of it. I, I've always been into fashion. I remember, I mean, I grew up in a small town and, you know, maybe once a season, my mom and I would drive uh, to the bigger city and, you know, get the clothes for the season and I was just always excited about it and then I would come back home and like show off whatever 
And I had a very specific style. I have, you know, that romantic idea of how stylish I was. And then I look back at pictures. I'm like, oh my God, why did you get those purple Doc Martin shoes? Um, but anyways, um, I've always loved <laughs> clothes, let's say, or style or whatever you want to call it. Um, but then, yeah, the whole... My interest in, to, uh, in sustainable fashion happened as I got interested, I guess, in the zero waste movement and I got interested in the minimalist movement as well. I usually tell that story of how, you know, my husband and I moved from Europe to the States and had to pay for the shipping of everything that we owned. And, you know, moving from, you know, corporate job in Switzerland to the California life. Uh, you know, most of the things that we owned and wore were not um, suitable to our new lifestyle, just considering the fact that, you know, it was just like wool, woolen sweaters to, you know, a tank top and flip flops, right? So, uh, you know, we had kind of nothing to start with when we moved into um, that warehouse in Southern California where we set up the coworking space. And we were kind of like, you know, we don't have a lot of money because we invested in a lot of our money into our new business venture. And I was like, you know, I mean, it's a cliche, the whole like, oh, I packed everything. And I was so happy because I had nothing. Right. And it kind of felt like it. I was like, I want to be mindful about the new things that I'm going to, you know, welcome into my life. I mean, I kind of fell into the whole garage sales or um, sample sales of all the amazing like outdoor brands that we were surrounded by because of our business right but then I was like hey let's try and be mindful I remember that's when I first heard about you know Everlane mm -hmm. um as it was known back then you know the radical transparency aspect of the brand was pretty amazing to me um and I can I guess it's just kind of educated me about I mean the whole life cycle of a garment right I had no I, I mean I had never even thought about wandering where things were made, who made them, how they were made, uh, the toll that it had, you know, on people and the environment and whatnot. So yeah, I guess, you know, it planted a seed in my brain and I was like, okay, I'm going to be mindful about the things that I'm going to welcome into my life. And yeah, then I get obsessed with certain subjects as well. So then it was the whole idea of who made it, where it comes from, and eventually went into what is it made of? Where is it grown? How much water does it need to be grown? And I mean, I'm by no means an expert in all of the subjects, but I'm very curious. And I love, like I mentioned before, to gather data. So, you know, eventually I was like, okay, so sustainable brands. And then at the beginning of this year, I was like, actually the best way to be sustainable is not to buy anything new. So I got super into that no buy challenge or just the idea of just you know, wearing things you already own or shopping secondhand. I got really interested in the mending uh, movement and then the um, visible mending craft. I mean, yeah, there's so many things that, you know, are so interesting. You can experiment so much with the things you already own. I think it's really fascinating to hear that when you got into fashion, also when you started your blog, it was all kind of similar where you just got really curious and you just kind of expanded it and tried a bunch of different things and kind of really dived into it instead of thinking, oh, I, I must do this. I must, right. you know, this is something yeah. that 
I didn't have like an editorial line where I was like, I'm going to stick to it. But I did have, I remember, I mean, I still have it, that tagline that says simpler, greener, happier. So I, I tried to choose things in my life. So it's either, either going to make my life simpler. So let's talk about, I don't know, minimizing, downsizing, or, you know, using the Marie Kondo method to, you know, organize your clothing, simpler, greener. So, you know, the idea of eating a plant-based diet or, you know, switching from chemical-based cosmetics to natural um, and happier. Because, I mean, my goal in life, and I think most people's goal in life is just to be happier. So, yeah, it's all those things. So if something that I'm interested in, you know, fits into these three categories, that's amazing. If it's only two, that's fine. And if it's one, usually it's the happier part of it, then it's all right. Because I always say, you know, oh yeah, of course, like I'm interested in the zero waste movement, but you know, I went on a road trip last weekend and all of a sudden we felt like eating chips and we're in the freaking middle of nowhere in Eastern Oregon. So I bought a bag of chips and I'm not apologizing for it. (laughs) So yeah. Right. Um, so I, I, well, I love that you're very honest about zero waste. And I think, yeah, I think people can get really, really stingy. We're like, oh, you did this and you did that. And it's like, I mean, you know, it's it's a lot of effort, you know, it's a lot of time and right. energy preparation put into that yeah. and other things. Um, so going back to fashion. So I know that you also say like that you're also into slow fashion too. What What is your definition of slow fashion? Because I think everybody can interpret it different ways yeah yeah that's funny actually I was looking at things on my phone before we started talking because I wanted to mention that um you know that hierarchy of needs Mm. so it's that Maslow um gotcha thing so anyways Maslow has you know the hierarchy of needs uh, but then this artist who's called Sarah Lazarovich, she's, she created the biarchy of needs. So you have a pyramid like that. Mm-hmm. And the bottom of the pyramid, which is the things you know you should do most, um, is use what you have. So if you apply it to fashion, shop your closet, right? Use what you already have. Do you really need like a new pair of shoes? Do you really need like a new t-shirt? Second step is borrow. So, you know, if you're going to need a dress for that wedding, do you really need to buy it? Could you maybe rent it or borrow it, right? Then swap. You know, if you get tired of something, maybe your friend has something else and you can just like swap, right? Mm-hmm. Thrift. So buying secondhand, vintage, etc. And then one step higher is make. Mm-hmm. If you feel like experimenting, I mean, wow. <laughs> not everyone's a seamstress. I can talk about that. I'm so famous for starting something and then my mom is going to finish like, you know, <laughs> Thank you, mom. Like the number of yeah projects I stopped and she finished are, you know. Uh, and the last one is buy. And some people also I buy ethical on top of the pyramid. So I've, I find that it's that's interesting. And the, the, for me, that's the idea of slow, slow fashion is just be mindful about things before, think before you buy. I mean, I'm I was totally guilty of just like, like I mentioned, going on a shopping spree and just like buying new things and then, you know, opening your closet three months later and actually realizing that some clothes still have the tags on and you've never worn them. So I guess my idea of a slow is just literally being slow in your, not in your decision making, but in your actions, like just really think before you act. Um, Yeah. And then, yeah, following that. 
Yeah, that's how my brain works. I, I need maybe a visual <laughs> reminder of yeah. things. I love to have rules just so, I mean, yeah, I guess that's just how I work. To me, it's easier um, to have thought about the process and then being able to have those rules, even if I'm going to bend it, them later on. But, you know, I know that if I feel stressed, I can go back to that one, you know, stable thing <laughs> that I have in my life or I knew I've, I know I've done the research before so I can go back to that um so yeah I guess slow that's m the definition that I found the most applicable to slow fashion is that that's so interesting because um I, I would say for me it's it's I know when I need to buy something when things start like getting really dirty and start tearing apart is that when but is that, I guess that would be the mending part, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm obsessed with the sisters from the far woods, which I'm sure you know about. So, I mean, I don't know whether that's still relevant, but I assume it is. They stopped buying new things like years ago and they just, oh, I mean, they're so inspiring in so many aspects. I mean, they're amazing designers and artists uh they also published that menders companion um booklet which is so great for someone who's not good at sewing in general i mean all of a sudden i spend a whole afternoon just like mending my husband's socks i mean i would never have considered doing that you know being the feminist that i am but actually i enjoy the process of just like spending one afternoon winter afternoon cold afternoon like on my couch and just like mending socks i've done it once i will never do it again i mean i'm gonna get him a new pair of socks next time but i was for me it was just the idea of learning a new skill and knowing that you know if i had to i would be able to do it um and i'm happy to have repaired them once i'm not gonna do it again because the next time they're gonna need mending i mean literally they're gonna be falling apart so of course i'm gonna buy new things at that point but sometimes take the time i mean not everyone has the time to spend a whole afternoon mending socks right um but just the idea that i i could choose to do it i have the privilege to do it so i can right uh again i understand that I mean, I'm never going to shame someone for, you know, going to Target or wherever to buy new things because, I mean, you need clothes. Your kids need clothes to go to school. So, you know, not everyone can shop at small brand or support a small brand. But just the fact that you're wondering about it to me is enough. It's already slow fashion. Just the fact that you're, you know, asking yourself that one question. So also I wanted to talk to you about, ask you about, uh, Sort of capsule wardrobes mm -hmm. so that's something that you've yeah. also written a lot about too how does one curate a capsule wardrobe great question i mean a capsule wardrobe is also such a great symbol of what slow fashion is because it's i mean it doesn't have to be but usually it's like be creative with what you already have um I mean, the way I apply those rules of the capsule wardrobe is that I'm not going to buy something new to include them in my new, that one season's um, capsule wardrobe. Um, yeah, the idea is to shop your closet, be creative with what you already have. So, you know, the base of that pyramid, use what you have. So, but then if you need help into figuring out what to include in your wardrobe, I love the idea, I mean... The rules that I chose and that, that were the ones that were the most popular online when I first started doing those was the 10 by 10. So you choose 10 pieces of clothing and you style them into 10 outfits that you 
where over 10 days, I guess. Um, and so, you know, the rules can be as strict as you want them to be. So some people say it's 10 items, like including shoes and outerwear. Some others are like, hey, <laughs> I live in Canada. <laughs> I'm not going to include shoes and like outerwear. <laughs> Otherwise, I would just be, you know, wearing <laughs> leggings and a T-shirt. and just like... So, <laughs> you know, right. according to where you live and what season it is, you know, see what you include. Some people are like, you know, maybe four bottoms, three tops, and I don't know, you do the math. Um, and then I don't know, I love Pinterest. I love, you know, social media. I love Instagram. So I just, usually I have like folders or, you know, boards where I'm just going to pin styles that I'm interested in or that I would want to reproduce. I'm a pretty, usually I'm a lazy shopper, but also a lazy stylist. I would say I, I love, I forgot where her name is, but there's a famous YouTuber who goes on Pinterest and tries to recreate looks that she's found with whatever she already has in her closet. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's the kind of things that I want to do because all of a sudden you realize that you have that one belt or you have like shoes that look like the shoes that the person is wearing on that amazing picture. And you can just like recreate a look. I mean, just like when you were a kid and you were just playing dress up in, you know, going through your mom's like closet or something. Just imagine that your own closet is your mom's closet and, you know, play dress up. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like where I shop around is, uh, my, is my partner Daniel's closet. Cause, uh, well, so I only have like a couple uniforms. And so it's funny that you say that because I feel like <laughs> for me, it, it would be very limited what I could, <laughs> what I could come up with, <laughs> you know, like shop my closet. Hmm. I've got t-shirts and jeans. And also you're, and you're such a, a minimalist <laughs> and you also have such a, yeah, a recognizable uniform for sure. So it's funny though. Cause I never, I never think about it. You know, it's not something that like I never had the intention to be a minimalist. And it's funny now, lately, people have been saying that so many times. And I think, really? Like, really? Like, I never, I think for me, it just was easy because it just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely was very into the book um, uh, Minimalists by um, Joshua Field, Fields Melbourne and Ryan Nicodemus. That was a great book. Um, got really into Zen Habits, Leo Babauta, and that sort of aspect. But I never, like, uh, I got really into it, but then it just kind of stuck. And now that I'm here, it's years later on. And when it, people say it now, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess I never, yeah. I never really thought about it that way. So, oh, yeah. What you're wearing today, I'm like, that's Benina. Yeah. <laughs> Those <laughs> shoes, like, it's you. I mean, yeah, and it's amazing. I mean, you know how they say that. I, yeah, again, um, I just finished reading that book, Goodbye Things. And he mentioned, he talks a lot about, he's obsessed with the Apple brand and he always talks about you know, the uniform, either, whether it's, you know, a gray shirt, like a hoodie or, you know, a black turtleneck. Right. You know, I love the idea of having a uniform. Yeah. It definitely does get cold though sometimes. <laughs> Just being like really transparent about it. There's moments where I'm like, oh, I really need like another layer. <laughs> just being just being real with other people too it does get it's it's a great uniform and I love it but in Portland it's sometimes not so much <laughs> you know the you very, need a Portland uniform yeah now. pretty much I, so I have I have thermals so <laughs> those 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 definitely those definitely come in handy um yeah um I guess for somebody who's listening to who I guess wants to get into like slow fashion um or just sustainable fashion like where do you think and maybe they don't really know where to start 
what what would your advice be to them? Um, I haven't been on social media a lot lately, but I love those hashtags. So, you know, for the capsule world robe, usually it's the 10 by 10 challenge. Find, you know, um, sustainable blogger and, you know, look at what they posted. But I love like clicking on the hashtags and realizing that there's a whole community participating in that challenge. And then you can see the diversity of the community because, again, the Instagram algorithms are only going to show you the things that you've liked once. So it's hard to expand your horizons, just like trusting that system. So try to hack it <laughs> and just like go through it. Or, I mean, there, there must be some other ways, but yeah, I love following here locally in Portland. There's that consignment store that I love that's called Button. And they're so good at social media because they just like post the new things that they've got into the shop and they style it in like amazing uh, outfits and yeah that's that's a great place to um get inspiration from and yeah find new brands or find brands that you would want to shop but don't necessarily have the budget for but then you know you can just um how do you say that um uh, benefit from the fact that, you know, some people just have seasonal wardrobes and are just going to put them in consignment the next season. And you're going to get to wear that amazing pair of pants that you would never have wanted to spend $400 for. So, which is worth the investment, support local makers and small makers, but you know, not everybody has the means for that. So that's, that's a great alternative. Well, yeah, I, I love that, that people can benefit from that too. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of talk. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm always talking about the Mario Kondo thing, but the idea that, you know, shops are now, um, drowned in, you know, clothing, I heard about that too, where Goodwill is now refusing right. people yeah. because there's so many mm -hmm. clothes and things like that. Do you think, okay, this is one thing that I think about too, is like, I, I love, I did the whole Marie Kondo thing, but I also thought like, there was also the part of me too is like, does it, do you think it makes us more consumptuous? Yeah, it can. Um, yeah, I was reminded of that when I read the Goodbye Things um, book, because I mean, yeah, I'm usually really critical when I read something. I'm like, that's amazing. And two seconds later, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> and totally, I'm like, oh, you feel so good about the, yourself. You're going to go through the, you know, spring cleaning. I mean, all those like seasonal changes, you know, seem really good. Start afresh, start anew. But then, you know, if you think about it and you take the amount of possessions that you've that have come and gone from your house, like within, say, the last five years, you're going to realize that it's actually enormous but it's just that you don't see it because it's oh i'm removing like you know three sweaters from that one uh capsule capsule wardrobe but that's no difference from getting rid of 12 sweaters a year right so you know for me it's like do it once but don't do it often like it's either you do it once or because if you do it often it's just as bad as right it's not like a purge right <laughs> Uh, yeah. I mean, you see where I'm going. I'm, no, I don't know where I, I, I am. I get what you're saying. I actually <laughs> think that it, it makes it makes me personally think about, you know, that sort of balance of when you buy something, is it to, you know, like, is it for the long term? Is it just to get that sort of like high of something new? Or is it something that you feel like will inspire you for the long run. And I think, especially with clothes, I think it comes in waves. There'll be moments where, okay, yes, I do have a uniform, but there'll be times that I'd be like, 
I'll go all out being like, oh, I like need to change this. I need to, you know, shift this. And I, but I, it, it gets into a moment where I think, am I, am I buying this specifically because I want that rush and I want to, I don't know what the right word is, but just to have something new. It's kind of hard to define when it's it one or the other. Mm. Oh, I totally agree. I'm, I'm, totally guilty of like trying to justify some of the purchases that I do saying yeah oh you know like it's an investment piece or you know it's going to last me forever or you know I'm going to be able to pass it on to you know the next generation whether it's clothing or I don't know a cast iron skillet no. <laughs> but you know the idea of like oh it's an investment piece or you know it has resale value as well which you know could be I don't know. I at some point I was saying like, oh yeah, you shouldn't. I mean, definitely spend the three hundred dollars for a, you know, linen shirt from whatever brand because it has a great resale value. But at the same time, it's still nourishing the idea that things could be would not be permanent in your life. So I don't know. I'm still debating on that subject or of you know if you really like fashion and want to switch your road robe seasonally or you know regularly then invest in pieces that you're going to be able to resell or you know invest in things that you're going to want your whole life but I cannot control like all of my you know feelings and urges so I don't know I'm still yeah pondering on that subject. <laughs> That's interesting because I, I, I personally have never gotten to the vintage movement. Um, I have a really good friend who she she's all about vintage clothes, has the most beautiful wardrobe. And um, I don't know if her intent, I think for her, uh, she also has a blog too. And so she gets a lot of inspiration. That's like kind of her community. Right. But I think it's interesting that you say like that it's kind of like the sort of mixed bag where when you buy something it's or buy something that's vintage it's the idea of like that sort of impermanence but i guess it's like life impermanence too you know <laughs> not not to get into that so philosophical <laughs> no that, sorry I mean, we're going down true. this road <laughs> no no i mean I, I mean i love having those thoughts and like coming and going and be like no oh, we'll never know the answer but yeah i mean it's interesting just to you know wonder about it so i want to get back to your sort of community and how you were saying that you you feel more introverted than extroverted. And it's funny because when you and I first met, well, actually more like I want to tell the story about how I got to know you is when I came to Portland um, and I told people that I was, you know, um, building a zero waste business. Uh, it was um, uh, Via Riaz, Jennifer, Jennifer, right? Um, she, I, I went to her store. I told her about what I was doing and she's, oh, there's a girl you got to meet, you know, Chloe, like, you know, and I thought, oh, okay, you know, and uh, she put me in touch. I sent an email, didn't hear back. It's more like it's fun. No, no, nothing's <laughs> hurt. Um, and then when I was in my apartment with my partner, um, one of my neighbors, her and I had a conversation. We just met, told her what I was doing. She says, there's one girl, this was like two days later, says, oh, there's a girl that you meet. And I, I'm thinking, it can't be Chloe again. And I was like, is her name Conscious by Chloe? And she's like, yeah, that's the person. Um I think it's just, I mean, you've, you've, how long have you been in Portland? Three, three years? Right? Um, 2015. Okay. Okay. So four years. Okay. But it's kind of amazing to me how connected you are in Portland. I think that there's people who crave community and, um, real community, 
but you've done it in such a way where, so when I met you, you know, people ask like, how do you know all these people? And I said, you just got to know Chloe, you know, Chloe's the one who, you know, when I, you know, I had coffee that one day, you just sent me all these resources, <laughs> like meet this person, meet that person. And it was just so, it was so heartwarming for me to feel like, wow, there's such a community here. And then also the fact that as everybody uh, who I've talked to also had a similar experience with you um, when they first moved. It's <laughs> they, a small world. Yeah, pretty much. It's, it's kind of amazing. Um, but I think, I, I guess for me, like I... I know that you said that you, you slowly started building a community, but you've just built this sort of like real, real community of people where um, everybody knows you. You're just so well known in the sustainability world in Portland. Um, I guess, yeah, like I, what's your secret? Like I mentioned before, like stalking online and just putting yourself out there because I've, I've moved a lot over the past years. I've lived in you know, a number of countries. And I realized that that's what you have to do if you don't want to feel isolated. Like you have to, you know, put your explorer cap on and just like put yourself out there. It's going to be a season of like me going to shops and talking to people and mentioning what I do and answering the same question like a thousand times, which I really hate. But I knew that I was, you know, planting seeds and I knew that it was going to pay off. I mean, pay off is not a great way to, to, to describe that. But I was just like, it's going to be a season of like making efforts, but I'm going to reap the benefits again. But yeah, I knew that eventually I, I would get to have the strong connections because, you know, half of the connections I've made were super superficial. Maybe not, but I mean, I haven't become like super close friends with half of the people that I've met, but you know, those can be like business relationships or I can put people in touch. If I could make money out of putting people in touch, like I would be rich, but I would be happy because that would, that would be a job I would love doing because mm. I can't help myself. Like you're going to tell me you like that. I'm going to send you like a thousand links and people, because I don't know. I, that's how my brain works. I'm, I'm obsessed with data organizing as well. That's another part of, um, my professional life as well, just, uh, um, related to translation and just like, if I could write a dictionary, you know, I would be happy. Uh, <laughs> so there's that. So yeah, That's I guess an odd job <laughs> that exists. And I mean, you know, in the terminology world, just like, yeah. you know, trees and whatever concepts and stuff. I, I love organizing yeah. knowledge somehow, but I love connecting people. I don't know. Um, Back when I was living in Switzerland, people would call me um, Chloe Le Montio. I forget that that's the name of the guy who gives the tips in that cop show back from the 70s. I mean, the guy who gives the tips. I mean, he's got a <laughs> funny nickname in French and that would be my nickname because if you were looking for an information back when I was living in Geneva in Switzerland, people would be like, oh, you should ask Chloe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, five years later, I would get like an email from someone who's like, hey, I'm a student, blah, blah, blah. I'm looking for housing in Geneva. Like someone told me you have, and I'm like, oh my God, I had an email that would just like copy paste mm -hmm. whenever someone would reach out to me because I don't know, like, I keep lists and I love that. I don't know. I can't help it. It makes me happy to know that, you know, you've met Jenica or other people. And to, it's not necessary for me to have those relationships. I'm so happy when I realize that two people, you know, ended up working together or becoming friends, like because of me. I'm still waiting for people to get married because I introduced them to each other. So, you know, let me know if that happened and I'm not aware of it, but I would be 
that, that would be like the highest point of my life. <laughs> okay, so listeners, <laughs> listen to this and know Chloe and have gotten married. Let her know. <laughs> it's so great the fact that you love putting people together um, because I feel for me, like when I receive, you know, I think the hardest thing for me is emailing, like emailing and connect, not connecting, maybe not in person, but when it's via like messaging or Facebook or any sort of like writing, it it becomes draining for me. So I think it's incredible the fact that you're this like honorary helper of people, you know, like, oh, like you need this and you know, you don't seem to get tired of it. Right. I mean, and today it's easier because also I'm a firm believer in etiquette of like, you know, putting people in touch if both parties are interested in being connected with each other. But what makes it really easy now is that people have an online profile and most of the time it's public. So, you know, if you don't want people to connect with you, like with your profile in private, right? So I'm going to put you in touch with that one person and she's allowed to reply or not. Like, I love this person, um, Swiss Miss. She's um, a Swiss blogger that you might Tina, know. Tina, Rothen- Tina Rothen- yeah, yeah. Uh, Amazing. She, she writes a lot about um, netiquette and the fact, I mean, I assume that tons of people like get introductions th- or she, tons of people get introduced to her. And I guess um, at some point she might have been tired of like having so many people, hey, you should write to Tina, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, make sure that the receiver of the is, you know, willing to get that information. But yeah, I I mean, I assume that most of the time when I introduced people to each other, like both parties were interested in like, you know, being put in touch. But um, yeah, I don't know where I was going through that. But I guess that, you know, two days like social media world makes it so easy to connect people. I never thought about it that way where, you know, people can really just choose to reply and they don't have to right then yeah you know face to face and because yeah I think it's the fact that you when you first came to Portland were connecting with so many people so quickly and you know didn't need that sort of like validation and didn't need that sort of like affirmation of people or you know if it didn't work the first time then you still would connect with other people um did that also start the like when you started doing that, did that start building the blog too at the same time? Like when, I guess I'm just curious if when you started building like a local community, did that start your following on the blog or was it something separate from that? Cause since you're such a, like a master connector, is that how you started building a, building a following and building a strong following is because you kind of met these people in person or was it because um, yeah. uh, some other like online community you started forming too. I want to say that it helped, but maybe it wasn't the goal. I was actually surprised at some point. I, I don't know whether I still have that, but, um, you know how you can turn your Instagram into either a business or a personal thing. And then you get to see like all the insights. And I realized that most of my readers were Portlanders, which wasn't the case in the very beginning because I assume it was just like my friends back home, right? But I was pretty surprised about the percentage of people that were local. Because like I mentioned before, I assumed that, you know, Conscious by Chloe would be like the worldwide, like sustainably, blah, blah, blah. And me wanting to do that separate thing with DOS PDX. And then I was like, hold on, like if all the readers are like based in Portland and I also have that thing. But though I did realize that those were two different groups of people. Like the zero wasters are pretty different from the conscious by Chloe community. Because I mean you see it, the people in the group are not interested in fashion. Or maybe they are, but it's not the subject of conversation in the group. 
And I would say that most of those people, I mean, I don't know, I haven't done like a whole poll, but the age range is pretty different in the zero waste PDX group. I wouldn't assume that those people are such, so active on Instagram or are so, I don't know, maybe they are, but anyways, it's a different crowd. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I guess it helps. I assume. And because of the relationships, uh, I've also had with other sustainability bloggers here in Portland who have like a much bigger audience than I do. Um, that helped me quite a bit as well. And it kind of happened. Yeah. Naturally as well through an opportunity, I guess, through a brand. And we ended up doing like, um, a collaboration, the four of us for that one article that we each shared on our blogs wow. that worked pretty well. So yeah, that was amazing. The, the, yeah, the sustainable fashion community in Portland is also, I mean, you know, it's amazing. There's the sustainable fashion forum also that's, I don't know, third edition, but they also have like some traveling chapters or something. Brittany is amazing. <laughs> Brittany Sierra from the sustainable fashion forum is, is pretty amazing. I mean, I love to see those things happening as well. And I got the chance to, yeah, attend the last edition, like maybe two weeks before I moved back to Europe for a couple of months. And I was like, Oh, that's, you know, the best way to say goodbye to Portland is to, you know, attend like that kind of meetup. So yeah, and you're back. amazing. And now I'm back. I don't know <laughs> for how long, but I'm here. <laughs> I love that. Um, so, um, you said that you're part of the sustainable fashion, uh, sustainable fashions, for, uh, blog too, or sustainable? No, it's just that the, those three other bloggers and I just happened to write about sustainable fashion. And at the time we're all Portland based. So we ended up, you know, collaborating, but we were not part like of a, a specific network. Yeah, how did you guys all, how did you meet each other? social media, wow! <laughs> you know, messaging each other and just following each other's work. And eventually one of us uh, pitched the idea of the blog post to a brand and just asked us whether we would be interested in like partnering. So yeah, it was pretty amazing. And is that when it kind of boomed for you? Like when you started getting a lot of like traction or? Yeah, I guess more. I mean, I never, you know, realized, I mean, noticed like a big boom after like, you know, that was my breakthrough. <laughs> You know, I'm still like, I mean, I don't have a big following, like, uh, how do you say that? You I mean, know, you, have, you have to, a strong community, I feel like. Yeah, I don't know. I Maybe, but, you know, it's not like, you know, I mean, the thousands readers like a month or something like I'm not big on numbers anyways maybe I would like if I had like an amazing following and be like here are my numbers but no honestly it's just that's what it is I'm happy if people are you know still tagging along I, like I mentioned I had and I hadn't been a really active on social media but all of a sudden like you get that likes high where you're like oh I remember that person who used to like on my post and they're still here thank you so much for still being here so no, I'm kidding but yeah it's yeah. Again, it's a love hate relationship with the whole, like how many comments, how many likes, how ah, sometimes I'm like a friend of mine who's a minimalist blogger, um, removed the comment section on her blog. Cause she was like, I don't want to be striving for the numbers and for the interaction and for the, she was like, I just want to write my things and share them with the world. I guess, you know, people have different ways of considering what a blog is and what it should be. Yeah. Either it's a community or just you putting things out into the world. It's an online journal. It's a magazine. Like there's so many ways to write online. Um, 
yeah, as many different ways as there are writers and people writing. So I don't know. I've never really considered that I had a community. I really can uh, imagine the community, the zero waste PDX community, but I have a much harder time imagining what the Conscious by Chloe community is. Um, I cannot tell you like what what my reader looks like, where they live and what they like. I mean, I assume they like what I write about, right? But um, yeah, it's it's really funny. Like I sometimes I just feel like I'm writing on the internet and I have no idea who's reading it, which I'm fine with because like I mentioned before, I don't owe anything to anyone, but at the same time, I like the idea of, you know, I have people waiting to read what I'm going to post, right? <laughs> so again, it's a question of balance. And sometimes I'm mad about it. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? It makes me happy. So that's enough. What advice do you have for someone who wants to, um, who wants to start a business um, for our fellow entrepreneurs that are just starting or in the process of starting? What's the biggest advice that you can give to them? Start by starting. I mean, you know, if you overthink th things, like you're never going to put them out there. And yeah, I don't know. Do it. Just don't put all of your eggs in the same basket because you never know how things are going to go. I mean, I wish you all the best in your new adventures, but, you know, from <laughs> experience and um, yeah, I don't know. Just do it because, I mean, there's never going to be the right time or the right format or the what yeah don't sweat the small stuff either just it's it can only get better so you can always tweak things in the long run like I'm, I'm sure you know that's what you're going on through right now like when did you decide that now was the right time to put out the first episode yeah I mean are, are you asking yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I think uh I, I think that's more like you resonate with me too because I think for me it's just um do it when before it's ready you know because you're only you got to start somewhere where, and everybody, nobody starts as a master, you know, they all started in the same way at the ground and they just slowly built it on the way up. And for me, like, I also think that by putting it out there, you're going to get immediate feedback as yeah. much as possible. And I think if you're too busy waiting for perfection, it's never going to be released because you're going to keep on iterating and iterating and it's never going to be out there. And you're never going to know what other people's perspectives are. And I think that getting used to that and progress and not perfection is the way to go. Agree. Yeah. Um, anyway, Chloe, thank you so much. Oh, and how can people connect with you? So my blog is called Conscious by Chloe. So you can find it online, consciousbychloe.com, social media, same thing, at Conscious by Chloe. Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Hey, entrepreneurs. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, come on over and join me at The Zero Waste Habit. I'd love to hear your story and what positive impacts you're making in the world. Anyways, I hope you're having an awesome day and I hope to see you in the next episode.